Hey, Dad. So I wanted to talk briefly about machine learning. That wonderful buzzword. Ooh, machine learning. The magic of the algorithms. Ooh. Um, I want to talk about machine learning and specifically with its focus on IT. So most of the time when you are talking about or reading or listening to or hearing about machine learning, you hear about AlphaGo. You hear about um, these big image classifications. You look up anything on machine learning, I'm willing to bet the number one thing on there is how to pick, take a, how to identify pictures of hot dogs or not hot dogs or cats versus dogs or it's pictures, it's hard human problems, human problems, where these are things that humans do incredibly well uh, with no training, and machines do very poorly, even if you train a lot of information. Um, so how does this fit into IT? IT is a weird environment, it's a weird world, where we are not doing hard human problems. We're, we're, not, we're not bureaucrats. We're not sales. We're not talking to people. We're talking to computers. Nine times out of ten, our IT, our, our DevOps specifically, let's, let's focus on DevOps and, and that large uh, infrastructure mess that is the large-scale infrastructure of these large companies. Um, the cloud computing, all of the, that stuff. Um, we are operating as a human interface to computer architecture systems, computer systems, um, to computers themselves, to VMs, to disks, to memory, to CPU. We are providing a, a human layer in an otherwise completely automated world. Um, and because of this, we don't have the same problems that pretty much anyone else has in a, uh, in a non-technical or non-DevOpsy field. So we aren't worried about identifying pictures of hardware. <laughs> we aren't identifying soft data where we have, we have very little soft data. Like here is an image an image is nothing but a collection of pixels to a machine, but to people, they, they, we see dogs, cats, whatever. Um, when we were working in IT, you, you don't think in... We don't have pixels. We don't have images. We don't have any of that stuff. We have data. And a lot of IT is actually turning that data into pictures so we can communicate it with a producer or a manager. But a lot of our day-to-day -day work, we're looking at graphs. We're looking at charts. We're setting up alert thresholds. We're wondering, oh my goodness, is this server going to collapse because of a DDoS that's coming in? Or we have a new patch launch. What is this going to do to our infrastructure? Are we going to go down? Are we going to increase our latency? What are these prop? What are what's the impact of my change that's going to come in? These are the types of problems we get in IT on a daily basis. Um, so. How does machine learning help us with this? Um, or wh where can machine learning fit in? Since all, or 90% of the machine learning models out there are all about uh, classification. Or, hey, classifying, or, or uh, estimating housing prices. Or, like, weird soft things. Um, we live in a hard data world. 
Um, if you look up examples of ML in DevOps, you look up what well, what have other people people written? Um, the number one thing that every tool manufacturer, every manufacturer, every tool developer, uh, Datadog, Splunk, uh, Xenos, well maybe not Xenos, but um, not entirely sure. Uh, uh, Sysdig, any of these big uh, stack driver, which is Google, any of these big infrastructure tool players out there, what are they developing with machine learning for DevOps and IT? Almost all of their work is in anomaly detection, which is a, so what is anomaly detection? On the surface, it's basically, you're asking the question, hey, is something weird? And the machine learning algorithm is going, yes, something is weird. Or, no, this is not weird. Um, or, yes, this value you have given me, or this cluster of values you have given me, is weird or not. Um, and if you look at the way tools are currently being developed around that system, um, you see uh, very simple integrations where that anomaly value is being piped into their existing alert thresholding system. Um, so where originally you put an alert, hey, if my CPU goes above 85%, send me an email because something must be wrong. Now you can tell, uh, you can tell Splunk or, or you can tell Datadog, hey, uh, if CPU is sufficiently weird, send me an alert. Send me an email. And that's about it. Um, we'll get into a second uh, some of the other ML features. But in terms of anomaly detection, you can, you can graph it. You can show it on a dashboard how weird it is. But in terms of what you can actually do with that data, those tools are not providing you anything beyond how do we tie this into what we already know and understand. Um, and to that level, it is of minimal use. Sure, it would be nice to send an email if your CPU usage is weird. Or let's be really out there and use Splunk. Uh, Splunk allows you to create really uh, multivariable anomaly detection reasonably easily. Reasonably. So you could do something like if the combination of CPU, memory, and disk usage is weird, and not any one of them individually, this is as a whole, it is sufficiently weird, then send me an alert. That would do something like uh, it, would, it would send you an alert if CPU is high, but memory is not. Because across all of its trained history, it knows that if CPU is going high, and it generally means memory goes high. Because there's a lot of traffic. Lots of stuff is going on. Um, and that's not weird to see CPU and memory spike. That's normal. But if you see CPU and not memory, ooh, that's really weird. Or if you see memory and not CPU. Or if you see 
memory and CPU stay the same, but disk is suddenly spiking with no correlation between them. Oh, that's weird. Um, or maybe that's normal. Maybe there's a backup job that runs every single day and you know what? CPU and memory are gonna be normal, but, uh, or raise slightly, but disk is gonna spike incredibly and it'll treat that as normal and it won't bother you with an alert. This could save you, could create some more intelligent alerts so you aren't worried about coming up with the correct magic number of, oh, if disk IO is 30 megabits per second, then that's not right and send me a warning level email and you have to come up with this whole thing for it. And you create these magic numbers. Um, this will help you remove magic numbers, which is good. Um, also, it can tell you some other information like trending-ish where, hey, if request per second is uh, weird, let me know. In that you're not worrying about the hardware at this, at this point, you're worrying about performance. Um, and you can get some diagnostic level information. I'm not saying it's useless. What I am saying, though, is that you are barely scratching the surface of what is actually possible with the raw data that anomaly detection gives you. So I've given this presentation a couple times at work, um, but the, the gist of it is machine learning doesn't actually, like the machine learning algorithms, the, the, the AIs you build, don't actually give you binary information. Binary, what do I mean by binary? True or false. It does not give you 100% certainty one way or the other. It, you, you ask the question, is this, an, is this an anomaly? It doesn't actually say yes or no. What it does say is this sample matches what I believe to be anom anomalous by about 84.3%. So this 84.3% matches what I believe to be a truly anomalous value or combination of values. So what does that actually, why is there a difference? Well, that's actually a huge difference that gives you not only a confidence level, like we use that currently in the AI, in, the, in this diagnostic tool to say, hey, if you're, 80, if you're over 80% confident that this is an anomaly, send an email. And that's fine. But let's actually take that anomalous percentage data and use it for something even better. So let's take that data, that, that's 84%, as an actual weirdness value. Let's take it as a soft scale, not as a hard, we're not going to give a threshold to it. What we're going to do is give it a soft value of, yeah, this seems a little high. Maybe it's not that high compared to other things, but, you know, it's a little high. Now, let's actually combine that with other anomaly data. So, CPU is at 84, disk is at 23, anomalous, and these are all the uh, percentage chance of being anomalous. So, 84 for CPU, disk is at 23, memory is at 54, so you get this... this smattering of values. Okay, cool. Um, from a mathematical perspective, what we're kind of getting is a derivative off of all of these values. We're seeing, rather than seeing the speed of a moving car, we're seeing its acceleration. We're seeing uh, a, a different perspective 
on the same data that that we were collecting originally. Now, if we were to take all of those derivatives, all of those weirdness values for, let's say, a cluster, a whole cluster of stuff. Let's say, for example, Kubernetes cluster. You have a cluster of VMs out in the void that are serving your cool new widget app site. Um, and let's take all of the individual metrics anomaly ratings for, let's say, an individual computer within that cluster, a VM, an instance. Uh, uh, in Kubernetes terms, it would be a, a pod uh, or a, let's actually do a little bit bigger, a node. So those have CPU, all that fun stuff. Let's go a little bit bigger. So this node has all of these different metrics and all of these different metrics are now assigned anomaly percentages. Now, if we were to actually build another AI that trains on anomaly detection of those anomalies, you are now getting the chance without needing to do an incredibly large multivariable anomaly detection. What you're doing is summer is in effect uh, summarizing the anomalous anomalous nature of the node itself. How healthy is this node? And we're making the the equate we're equating that more anomalous means less healthy or less a higher risk of being unhealthy. Um, when you talk with producers, executives, VPs, and you are the DevOps team, you're the director going up, and that producer's going to say, hey, how's, how's our uh, cool app website doing right now? And your d general devops -y answer... Things are going well. Oh, how can you tell things are going well? Well, uh, let me open up a standard dashboard here. And, oh, well, you know, request per second is good. Uh, we have no alerts going on right now. Uh, yeah, everything's good. Sure. You could be on the edge of disaster. And you wouldn't know about it. Because all of your alerts haven't fired, your pingdom checks haven't gone through, haven't, haven't failed at this moment. You could be on the edge of a full-scale death of your website, full-scale outage, where you're going to be losing millions of dollars an hour. But you wouldn't know about it because of our standard alerting practices. Um, what does this give you? This gives you a, hey, how is my server doing and how close am I to failure right about now? What's the risk on this server? What's the health of my server? Well, my server is operating currently at 84% anomalous. That's weird. Maybe we should go look at that. Our node is operating at 84% anomalous. Let's extend that back out and say a whole cluster. Generally with the Kubernetes cluster, you're, you're doing... Uh, this is the functionality of the app at large or the website at large or a cluster of websites at large. Um, how is that whole system doing? What is the health of that system at this moment? And you can use that anomaly detection data to actually give you a soft answer to a hard metric problem. That is the power of using this ML and actually getting the data 
out of it. We don't, in, in IT, we are so used to trying to invent rules to give us hard answers to hard metric problems where we are given the raw data, the real honest to goodness raw data from the device where CPU, we have, this is the exact CPU usage. This is the exact memory usage. We don't need to interpret whether or not this is a picture of a hummingbird or a picture of a cat or a picture of the number three. No, but this is the CPU usage. We know that this is the CPU usage. We know that we're getting valid HTTP calls to this thing. We don't need to interpret trying, trying to divine meaning out of unknown, da unstructured data. We have very structured data. But what we have is a glut of, of structured data of which you need to actually understand how it all fits together to know if your system is doing well or not. Um, individuals in IT DevOps, they make names for themselves. They become the heroes of their IT infrastructure, of their DevOps in infrastructure, because they are subject matter experts over how exactly memory and HTT number of uh, requests per second and CPU usage and disk correlate together to form risk and that they can look at a dashboard or three dashboards and they know exactly what to look for. They know that a little dog leg up to the left, uh, a little dog leg spike on this metric is completely a false alarm because they see it all the time. Um, or that a sudden drop in this metric or a slow drop in this metric means they need to go look at three other correlating metrics to define how this is uh, this is affecting customers and, and to actually evaluate the health of the system. And you can't explain that in like in a, in a ten minute presentation to an executive. No, they don't. They don't want to know how all of this goes together. They just ask you a question: Is this healthy or not? And you, as the director of your DevOps space, don't have the time or the the availability to understand your uh, all of the websites or all of the clusters or all of the systems that your that you have correctly delegated responsibility to the rest of your team to manage for you this is that you are not a one man devops team or one person devops team you have an entire org for this stuff um, and within that org you have subject matter experts who know their stuff and you can't go dragging them to meetings to say, how's the health? And you can't expect them to create diagrams, uh, little charts for you to show, yes, our health is good at this moment. And sometimes, and very often is the case, these are not experts in communicating either. These are experts very much in their technical responsibility, as they should be. These are people who are not, who shouldn't be specializing in how do I effectively teach others or, or create dashboards or create other additional tooling to help explain my intuition for this. You start, and, and what happens is you start building up tribal knowledge. You start building up, up huge amounts of bus value on these individuals. If you haven't heard the term bus value, I don't know if you can look it up, but bus value. What is the value to the company if this person got hit by a bus and was gone? Um, there are a few people in our in my org right now that if they got hit by a bus and were gone for a month or forever, we would be irreparably harmed. And and if there was an outage, if there was a problem that occurred within that person's speciality while they were out, 
Oh, dear God, we are losing thousands of dollars a minute. It's insane. Um, so what can you do? Why, why? I went off on a little tangent. But what can you do to alleviate this? And why, why do we go back to this anomaly detection? Let's, let's veer back to this anomaly detection and machine learning system. The whole goal of machine learning in DevOps space is to automate institutional knowledge and to automate on some level the subject matter expertness of those people who have become irreplaceable. Um, people need to, people get sick. People need to take vacations. It is never good. Regardless, ML is not intended to replace all of our jobs, even though there's lots of fun, you know, fear-mongering and Skynet's coming for you. Um, it's not intended to replace the subject matter expert in all instances. What it's meant to do is to help democratize some of that expertise. You can now rely on the 24-hour knock to have this, a similar level of in-depth knowledge of your uh, platform, of your product, that your best developers have without needing to have that developer cloned into and moved to, to India or to China or wherever your knock is. Or, you know, California, because we're awesome. Um, so you can have 24-hour un, unrelenting observational expertise on your material. So I've kind of rambled on enough on this. What, <clears throat> how do you get there? What do you do? Now, that's the fun part. Step number one, get to know your data. You have an enormous amount of data at your disposal. Um, IT, DevOps, we have a blessing that so many other people, companies, organizations, uh, teams in the world don't uh, we have this benefit that other people don't have. Um, if you were to pick up any book or read blogs on the Internet of Things and IoT technology, 90% of those blogs and books are going to be trying to convince you that the data you get is worth the additional cost of instrumentation. And that once you instrument your product, your IoT widget, your dishwasher, your smart grid, whatever it is, your IoT product, the data that comes out of it is so much more valuable to your business that it is worth the extra money. It's worth eating the cost. It's worth fundamentally changing your business model to, uh, to support the data coming in. It is so important to them and they're pushing it so hard that it is absolutely amazing that DevOps gets it for free. You put out a Kubernetes cluster, and <clears throat> you let's take GKE, uh, Google, Google Kubernetes, Kubernetes engine, to start with. You put that out, you create a cluster, and you automatically get Node through Stackdriver without any work on your part. You get uh, CPU, you get disk, you get requests coming in, you get load balancer metrics. Your system is already instrumented 
like the IoT people wish they could have, more than they wish, more than they could they could possibly dream about. And then let's say you went the extra mile and decided to do that little minimal effort and, and do the worst possible instrumentation of your own code and just spit stuff to logs. Like the worst possible implementation you could do in spitting out some level of internal metric to log. Um, and then be, you can now use Stackdriver to pull out metrics from those logs with almost no effort. You have now such a wealth of information at your fingertips that everyone else in this IoT field wishes, dreams that they could have. And you get it for free or next to free. The point is, some of these tool companies, your Sysdigs, your, your Datadogs, your stack drivers, they are useful in getting your data. But currently, they are not, they don't have available to you right now, as we speak, December 2017, um, they don't have the tools to give you the machine learning leverage on top of that data. It is up to you to implement your own ML architectures on top of the data that you have. Now, it's not just ML. It's not just ML. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. It's not just ML. This is raw data science stuff. This is this is this is just graphing. You you can get so much value just by getting to know the data that you're already collecting. There are people out there who are running websites who don't know all the data that they're actually collecting and how useful it could be. Um, if one were to simply correlate on an Excel spreadsheet met the metrics of CPU usage to content release schedules, you can see scaling problems that you may have in your architecture, where your architecture may or may not scale appropriately to increase, increase traffic, and you can see a very direct core, and you can start creating estimates on what kind of infrastructure overhead you will need for similar content releases. That's even more important, where let's say you're running a cool website uh, that sells widgets. Um, now, your cool website Every time you have a new product release, you are mapping that to CPU memory request per second. You're mapping that out instance count. Let's say you're doing it on the Kubernetes cluster and you have node count, pod count for various devices. You graph those together and you can visually see how new product releases of various types, various, various widgets, various targeted widget releases have effects on your uh, infrastructure requirements. You can now make an estimate of, hey, in six months, we have a new widget coming out. This new widget looks very similar to the past four, uh, four widgets we released of a similar type, uh, which all associated 
with an increase of traffic 50%. We can now have a better game plan for widget launch day for do we have enough nodes in place? Do we have enough infrastructure in place as it's scaled properly to handle the anticipated traffic? It's not a shot in the dark based on purchase amounts. Like your business team will know how many they sold, but they don't know how many people visited the website per se. Um, And you can now directly correlate visits to the website with other infrastructure requirements, such as uh, CPU and memory. If you've changed your architecture and your program in the time between launches, you can make better estimates on hardware infrastructure requirements for the same launch type. Even though this is the same type of widget, you're going to get a 50% increase in traffic. Your CPU usage is actually going to spike 100% because of the new code you deployed last week. This is just, you don't need ML for this. You just need to look at the data you have. Um, once you're getting the practice of use of looking at, understanding, even on a surface level, all the data that you are already getting for free, you can now take those next steps in that you now realize this is, this is a realization that I've come to at my own, my own job um, IT doesn't have the same problem as IOT and other, other problems where they're tr- struggling to get data we have more data than we know what to do with And in the process of understanding all the data you have, the next problem you're going to find is that you have too much data. If you were to actually use all of the metrics and look at all of the metrics that you are collecting, you get overwhelmed. It is hard to sort what is important from what is not. And this is where subject matter experts come in And this is where ML comes in. ML can be the tool to help you filter out what is not important from what is is important. ML, anomaly detection systems, uh, standard classification models, um, other, uh, other ML architectures are very good at providing humans soft answers. Soft answers of percentage confidences. Now, before this point in our conversation, DevOps, IT, we were interested in, is something wrong or is something okay? Is memory bad? Is CPU bad? Let's get to the point where we are asking the right questions. Is our server healthy? That is a soft question. That involves looking at all of the data that we have at our disposal. We don't need to instrument anything new. We already have it all. And we need to look at all of those various data, uh, all those various metrics, all of this influx, this fire hose of data, and pick out or weight appropriately all of those values so that we can answer with some level of confidence 
how healthy is our system? Uh, from there, you can now take it the next steps for your company. Um, you can do just simple things like, hey, I'm going to take that simple anomaly data and create an automatic dashboard that's going to sort all of my metrics appropriately. So I'm going to take that filtering system, that filtering algorithm, that filtering ML, this, this noise reductor, um, and, and put it in front of the fire hose and have it automatically throw me a dashboard that shows me what I need to know when I need to know it. You now have a dashboard that is the auto SME, auto subject matter expert. The subject matter expert automatically, uh, through lots of training, they know how to dig through the hundreds of dashboards and hundreds of metrics that you have to find out what's important. This thing hands it to you automatically every time you visit the dashboard. You can do, from there, you can do tons of other things. You are now correlating content releases with uh, your individual data metrics. Let's pull more information. Let's let's let, let's let's take it a step harder, more difficult, and let's pull more information from the from that content release. Let's let's classify the content released. Was this a new widget? Was this a completely new widget? Was this an adaptation of an older widget? Um, when was the last time we released a widget? Is it recent? Is it, is it far away? How big of a marketing push was there for this widget? Let's feed all that in to estimate how big of an imp how, how important this release is compared to all the other releases, correlate that with the infrastructure impact of those releases, and now the your, your marketing team, your production team who's making the widgets can on their own sub, uh, on their own product tracking charts see, hey, this release, has a dramatic poss has a, has a has a possibility of straining our infrastructure. Maybe I should and, and then maybe I should tell someone or even better, maybe this will automatically tell someone. So with that, I think I've talked enough. Um, I get a little excited. Um, and I think that I'll have more to talk on this as we go. Um, and I hope to talk to you soon.